ensuring that people love work. They feel rewarded yeah. in their jobs and they love it. That's the my initiative. It's called Project Love Work. Project Love Work. Well, tell us more about that. Oh, well, that's it's it. That is what it is. It's creating meaning and and a rewarding environment and experience for people. Hey there, this is Ben. Thanks for tuning in to Lead the Team. Before we jump in, we just broke into the top 3% of all podcasts globally, and that's largely due to the support of listeners just like you. I invite you to subscribe so you're notified when we release a new episode and also leave a quick review. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hello, Lead the Team Nation. Welcome back. Today, I have Nancy Hall for you, who's the CEO of Matterkind US, an IPG agency which uses ad tech to deliver data-driven outcome-focused programs for brands you know. She's over 20 years of experience working with best-in-class advertising agencies and brands in digital marketing and technology. And actually, she was just recently named to Performance End's top 30 changemakers in performance marketing. Nancy, welcome to Lead the Team. Thank you, Ben. Great to be here. Oh, we're going to have a great one today. I'm really glad to have you on specifically because you're the first CEO from an ad tech company that we're getting to interview. So for the listeners who may not be familiar with what the heck, what the heck is ad tech, because it sounds like advertising and technology combined, sort of like Voltron coming together. What a, like what is ad tech and why do leaders out there need to be familiar with it? It is exactly as you described. It's advertising that uses technology to power it. And leaders need to use it and know about it because it is the mechanism to do precise marketing rather than mass marketing. So mass marketing being like, hey, we're going to spend a whole lot of money and try to hit everybody in the world. And it sounds like you're trying to help them use their dollars in a much more effective way, sort of more like a targeted, like a laser. That's exactly targeted and accountable manner using data and technology. One of the things... Uh, that you've really hung your hat on as, as CEO. I uh, wanted two things here, and I want to make sure hit the first one. What are some hiring practices and some of the positive impacts that they've had over at Matterkind since you've taken over as a CEO? Well, these are hiring practices that I put into place a few years ago, mm-hmm. but that are important. And I think critical ones for all hiring managers to hear. When I started in the business world, I was taught that you hire people with experience, industry experience, relevant experience, and one should hire somebody with a college degree. And I Hmm. practiced that for many years. But in the past couple of years, I decided to try something different, especially when things were becoming more challenging, hiring people with the qualifications I was looking for. And that was throwing out those principles, Hmm. not caring about a college degree or relevant experience. And one great example of a successful way that this worked was I hired a gentleman who worked in his local town pizza place behind the counter, 
making the pies, throwing them up in the air, putting the sauce on. He had no relevant experience, but he was smart. He was, he was committed to working hard and he wanted the role. And today he is a rising star in my organization. And the second example is that I started hiring folks who had been in the military, Hmm. Mm -hmm. military vets who may have gone to college or may not, but had no relevant experience or industry experience. And I'm proud to say that today I have a veteran community and Hmm. that those are some of my superstars. Wow. All right. So let's break that down. First of all, let's go back to the pizza story. So you're in, are you actually identifying you're actually in the pizza restaurant and you see this person throwing the pie and you're like, not I, but a colleague, someone said, Hey, you got it. There's this, there's a guy making pizzas. You need to talk to him for your business. <laughs> Is that it pretty Something much? Like that. That? Well, he, he, when he gets like the best pizza technique or a great I think it customer was, service. Uh, somebody that- that went into the local pizza place frequently and got to know this gentleman and recognized mm. that he could make an impact in our company, even though he didn't have experience. Wow. And what kind of role is he doing today? He's in a strategy role for digital marketing and in our data-driven business. Wow. So you're looking for, maybe you're looking for like a positive attribute. Or this person seems pretty knowledgeable when you're talking to them, and it may not be in your specific sphere, but like, like this person can learn. Or what's that's right. That? This person is smart. This person has acts as a sponge. They have the ability to pick up concepts and apply them in some other way. And you wow. can recognize that in people that yeah. are in different industries, of course, all the time. So I think that the the lesson mm. for me was. Sometimes it's important to take a chance on somebody that is unproven and that doesn't have the experience if they do match other attributes that you know would be successful in the role. I would, and I would go even further to say, if you're able to hone your own personal process so what you're identifying there, it's going to give you a competitive advantage because your competition's probably hung up on well, I need to get someone that's got their doctorate yes. in statistics to be able to really yes. understand Facebook ads, which yes. can be pretty crazy to figure that data out. Speaking of personal experience, <laughs> that's like, true. That's true. You know, but but I mean, looking from your through your lens, I like that to really hone that for you and your team. So you're looking for learning. You're looking for different abilities that could be a good fit. For that's your exactly right. Um, is this a strategy that you've? sort of honed out of need from the the great resignation and your growing company, or is this just something you've always... It started uh, earlier than the great resignation phase. It started prior to the pandemic, but it came in handy and allowed us to continue hiring during that great resignation phase mm-hmm. that we've all been faced with. So it has been a good and proactive approach to bringing in people that can succeed in our business and that are that that are trained such a a cool story such a cool story and i like what you said about the veteran hiring i i've heard from not a lot of leaders but a few other leaders how veterans have made great employees in their company Uh, even and and they may have come from different backgrounds but they know about you know, showing up on time. They know about discipline. They know about focus. Hard work. Hard work. 
Yeah. So it makes a lot of sense that I think it could fit inside your organization. Now, the other piece of this is you've also uh, sort of hung your hat on helping uh, women uh, rising up in leadership in your organization. What's your advice for leaders who would like to have a more equitable and diverse team? I love that question. First of all, I do believe that women need to lift other women up. Mm. And that's Mm -hmm. important in any organization. So rather than compete to support one another, and that is a practice that I've employed my whole leadership management career. But in terms of a diverse and equitable organization, it starts with leadership. Leadership has to have a diverse and equitable team in order to execute on a strategy that reflects them and looks like them. And it's not only about hiring diverse people, it's about the thought process. It's about the practice that a company employs around Mm -hmm. diversity and equity and inclusion. And a great example as it relates to women is supporting moms. Mm. Moms can be supported in a way that's different than a typical support system in an organization. Just because somebody is a mother does not mean that they won't be a great employee. Allowing them to have a a flexibility in their schedule is important because they are a, a family person supporting their children. But they will give back to the organization at different times. They may take an hour or two during the day to take their kid to the doctor, but they will be working in the evening or making it up. And I believe that type of a practice is important to employ so that it is not only what you do, but it is how you disseminate that thought process to your larger organization. There. I think it's so important to really build on that. And I really think that's so, so great because so many leaders will say, Hey, this is our hiring practices. This is how we roll. This is how we consider the whole employee and et cetera, et cetera. But you're really going the extra step by explaining why it's so important. And when you do that, it allows people to be more flexible, to take action with the, with the end in mind versus just managing uh, to the rules. And that's I think exactly. about it. I mean, I mean, gosh, just thinking about it at a granular level, uh, when you do allow more flexibility for people's lifestyles, that's a great way to retain them, to engage them, to uh, instill loyalty yes. in someone. And if you offer flexibility to them, I suspect they're more likely to offer that flexibility to their team too. That's exactly what I what my intent was in my in my statement, and even in employing that type of a practice. Hmm. And we have learned during the pandemic that people can work at home and be very successful, and in many cases, work harder and be more successful. And I believe that creating an environment where people love their work, love their environment, their culture, their team, their company, they will contribute more to the organization. So creating oh, no a place that people love yeah. to work is really critical. It is, and you and, and you help them avoid burnout through that. I mean, I mean, my goodness, is there anybody more likely to burn out than 
someone that's a uh, sort of high performer that has small kids at home. <laughs> like you're trying to. We, well, we learned obviously that that was a big challenge during the pandemic. Yes, oh, that's that's yeah. why flexibility is really yeah. important. Want to boost your productivity and decision making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource, whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. So let's fast forward just a little bit here. What's the one trait you wish you could instill on every employee and why do you think it's so important? There are a lot. But one that I want to call out, which I don't know if it's a trait, but it's important for everybody to learn. And that is bring solutions with problems. Hmm. Don't just bring a problem, bring a solution. Even if it's not the end all fully baked solution, one needs to bring solutions with problems. Hmm. Yeah. Pair the two. Yeah. Everyone's, everyone's can spot a problem. But only a few people are actually taking the time to think of a solution. Yeah, because then you're having to do all the heavy lifting yourself. Remember years ago when I, in my very first job, I worked for this guy who's nicknamed Yoda because he's like a leader, mid-level leader, but he was an expert in a lot of things. And people from all over the organization would line up outside his office to ask him a question. Yeah. And since I worked for the guy, people thought I was Yoda Jr. So it often bring their problems to me. And I would just go get in line and then I would take it into him and he would give me the answer. And then I thought my job was just to relay it back to the person that asked the question to begin with. And one day someone gave me a problem. I took it to him and his face was all red. And I thought this guy's having a bad day, but I really don't care. I just want to get my answer and go back. And in that moment, I gave him the problem. He looked at it. He tore it up. He threw it in the trash. He said, Fanning, don't you ever come in here with a problem unless you've thought of three potential solutions. I don't care how crazy they are. And then he lit up a cigarette in a non-smoking facility and blew cigarette smoke in my face. (laughs) And I bet you learned that lesson and always brought solutions with problems going there forward. Yeah, I thought I was thinking. I thought I was like a smart guy. And I thought I was thinking before that moment. But I realized I was just kind of regurgitating what I had heard from other people. And he really set me on a course. Of course, he scared the crap out of me that day. But he set me on a course to start really thinking about things and using my creativity and imagination in a way that I actually still tap into today. And so I would say that would be another trait that I would call out, which is be thoughtful about your Mm. business and your job and what you do every day. And not thoughtful, like being nice, but thoughtful, think about it. And by the way, the, the solution to problems is really important for a leader because often people will bring better solutions to those problems than that leader would have thought of themselves. Mm, mm-hmm. So I always mm. believe that people should bring me the, the solution to the problem or at least ideas around it. As you said, like three ideas, because those are be- often better ideas than I would have thought of. I think at the time I was so afraid of being wrong with my idea 
Like I would get laughed out of there. And frankly, when you, when you force someone to come up with three possible solutions, you get some crazy stuff, but oftentimes it's the crazier ones where someone else, he's like, um, I, you know, Ben, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, and it, it led to a lot of other things. And so yeah, as a leader, yeah, this trait about pairing with a solution, but it might not be like the solution, but just a possible one. Yeah, so you can kind of kickstart the conversation with the uh, you know with the CEO on how to solve it. Yes, man, what a fun what a fun topic there. All right, so let's dive into we we talked a little bit about identifying talent, and I would say probably some unexpected places and how that's worked out for your company. But once we get in there, uh, let's talk a little bit about avoiding the catastrophic cost of turnover. It's something that we focus a lot on with organizations uh, because we know um, it, it can really have a big impact, but a lot of leaders aren't really focused on that. And they end up with sort of this leaky bucket idea where they're bringing in great people, but then people are coming through the other part of the organization and leaving. Do you think that turnover and turnover costs is something that leaders should be tracking? Yes. And I talk about the leaky bucket all the time. Okay. Turnover. So uh, yes, a company should track various aspects of turnover in order to truly understand what is causing the turnover. But Mm -hmm. turnover is terrible. It costs money and time and it creates burnout for other employees. It takes I mean, one to three months to hire, rehire, backfill. Then it takes a couple of months at least to train. Then it takes another couple of months for a person to get ramped up. So if there is that constant cycle of turnover, there's never a time where there is expertise within the teams. There is a lack of Mm -hmm. experience. And it puts pressure on the other employees on the teams who have to do the extra work. And that creates that burnout issue. We know, studies show that direct line manager relationships and culture are often the big reasons. So I do believe that tracking and coming up with data behind why turnover is happening on a macro level and a micro level for teams specifically is really important. And I also believe that investing in training managers is a way to avoid high turnover and spending time being thoughtful about the type of culture that one's employees want to work within so that they love their job Hmm. is an important part of every CEO's role, a core responsibility. So it's, you're saying it's not something that just HR should be worried about. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That is a leadership challenge that must be faced constantly. So, so good. And it just... Makes me so happy to hear it's not just HR's responsibility. And there are a lot of HR leaders probably out there listening right now. They're like, high five, Nancy. So without including names, what's your most colorful story of when someone quit or was fired? I have a good one. Years ago, a gentleman who worked for me came into my office, closed the door, sat down across the desk from me, and he handed me a plastic fork. <laughs> 
I didn't understand what was happening. He said, Nancy, stick this fork in me because I'm done. I resign. And I had to laugh and I had to appreciate the method, strange as it was. <laughs> Did he give you the fork? Yeah, he you handed like, me the fork. Like keep it on your wall. He leaned forward, mm. handed me the fork and paused and mm. said, Nancy. Stick this fork in me because wow. I'm done. And so what did you respond with? I started laughing. <laughs> I'm assuming he was done because when someone's going to go to that degree to make that was a the big end. to do. That yeah, was definitely the end. Yes, oh he God. resigned. Mm. I mean, I applauded his creativity. Yeah, he gets an A for he gets an A plus for the for creativity side on that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Bizarre though, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, once a time that you had unexpected twist or failure in your career and how did it lead to your success or growth on down the road? Well, I started within the digital marketing industry in the beginning, in the 90s, when this was new. And this was a totally new type of advertising that was being used because the internet was fairly new. Mm -hmm. And it was a wonderful time because I was able to learn every day. I worked for a company that was in growth mode. I worked in a growth industry. I worked with smart and passionate people. I spent all my time with these folks. And then the dot-com explosion or implosion Mm -hmm. happened. Mm -hmm. And the entire industry blew up, my company included. And my friends, colleagues all went back to radio and to cable TV. And they said, this internet thing's done. I went to work for a technology company. And while it was my shortest lived job in my career, it was a year, year and a half, I learned that I had an affinity for technology. And that set me on the course for the rest of my career. So that challenge that happened Mm. within the industry allowed for me to go forward in a new new area, Mm -hmm. but related one that brought me to where I am today. So it sounds like you had enough self-awareness in the moment to know that you were going to double down on the industry that seemed like it was a, it had, it had gone away (laughs) or it had been sincerely set back. I loved it. So mm-hmm. I wanted to stay in it. And 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 fr- and quite frankly, that was the job that I found right away when my company mm-hmm. imploded and the, I had no more job. That was the job I found. But it was it was fortuitous. I was very fortunate because I did learn that I could apply technology to business challenges. Mm-hmm. And that just set me on my, the course for where I am today. Yeah, I like that. It's like combining the what you've realized about your career that you enjoy, but also how it can it can be helpful in business and how you can actually earn a living and add value to your organizations. It reminds me of the Ikigai, which is like a Japanese, like y'all can look it up. I'll put it in the show notes, but it's like a it's it's a sense of of direction in in your life and in your career where you're combining like your skills and your passion with what the world needs and what they consider valuable. So it creates sort of this professional career line. It's kind of an interesting way to to look at it. It's actually something that they find in the blue zones where, are you familiar with blue zones? Blue zones are where people tend to live the longest. 
they have people of much older generations and they find that they have people that have more meaning in their life. They seem to live longer and happier. And that's directly related to my concept of ensuring that people love work. They feel rewarded in Hmm. their jobs and they love it. That's the, my initiative. It's called project love work. Project love work. Well, tell us more about that. Oh, well, that's it's it. That is what it is. It's creating meaning and, and a rewarding environment and experience for people. So for example, people feel good when they give back to their local communities. So I put in place a local community service effort that the company spearheads, the company puts the structure together and we give people the opportunity to take time off of work to give back locally in their community. People are really People find sustainability and helping out this globe that we live in to be a really important factor. And so we've created sustainability initiatives to support that, that people participate in. It's those kind of things. And then the the final thing I'll say, because I could go on for days about it, is that we've we've instituted an every one-on-one asking the employee, what did they love about their job last week? And it's really amazing because you learn what people are passionate about. And often what comes up is something that helps their career trajectory because the manager realizes that this person could be focused on a different area and that they're so passionate about that area, they'll be really successful in that role. Leading people to love their jobs. Pretty awesome stuff there. And who knew, I did not know today when we got on this call, Nancy, that you were going to share with us the the fountain of youth, which happens to be working at MatterCon. Thank you. (laughs) You're going to stay young. You're going to stay healthy. You're going to live forever. You're creating your own little blue zone, which is typically based on where you live. Like if it's in on a certain peninsula uh, in uh, Costa Rica, or if you live in Okinawa, Japan. Or you work at MatterKind, the average life expectancy might be longer there. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, that's, you know, we'll have to see how that all plays out, but at least that's how it sells. Oh, that is so cool. That is so cool. All right. So uh, let's dive into a little bit about what books, podcasts, or music that you recommend for someone in the C-suite or who's on a mission to get there. So I have a controversial answer for you, which is I don't recommend podcasts or books for people that are on the mission to make it to the C-suite. What I do recommend Mm -hmm. is reading industry news every day. Spend 30 minutes every morning at the start of your day getting up to speed on what's happening in your industry. I recommend reading quick advice columns on management tips from Harvard Business Review or a similar type of content website. I believe that one has to stay up to speed on business news and information, like reading Business Insider or Wall Street Journal every day, every couple of days, because that informs macro and microeconomic factors that will impact one's business. And I think staying up to speed on what's happening in the world 
is really critical for every individual. Those are the things that I practice. Mm -hmm. So that's the advice that I would give somebody who asks me what they should read in order to get to the next level in their career. Yeah, there's a funny story. I'm trying to remember who, which interview. It might have been Seth Goldman. He was the founder of Honesty. I need to change. I think he was talking about where he was going before board members, before these board meetings, and they would always ask him these questions about really tough questions about what was going on in the world and how the company was adjusting. He said, finally, one day he realized that it's that whatever was on the front page of the Wall Street Journal was probably what he was going to get asked about that day, <laughs> his board meeting. So he just studied that. Uh, and he knew before a board meeting, he'd need to thoroughly be aware with the, with the top stories in the Wall Street Journal. And he always felt more prepared for that. That's fair. And any <laughs> finance meeting, that's information that a leader needs to have in order mm-hmm. to give practical information and feedback reasons why numbers are up or down. So building upon that, maybe walk us through, cause I mean, you've probably got, you have all the data you're looking at for your clients and for your own company. And now you're talking about reading industry and everything. What, what is your process for reading and retaining key information? So my team finds this very annoying, but every morning at 6 a.m., I read industry news for 30 minutes. I take notes on the articles, and then I I am my team nonstop. None of them are online at that time, but now they've all come to understand that they don't have to respond, that I'm going to send them questions or comments. I'm going to send them articles. And I've started, people liked it though. And people like the information that I put together about specific industry-related topics. So now in my bi-weekly leadership meetings, I start off with an industry news update and I pick two of the articles that I've read over that past week. Mm. And I consolidate my notes down to a few bullet points and I bring it up and I talk about it. And then I often send my notes to the group afterward with a link to the article. Wow. And are these are these kind of span? Are these more industry specific, like lead, general industry leadership? Specific, well, industry specific generally. Okay. But last week's meeting, I had read an article in, I think, Inc.com about the great regret, that the great resignation mm. has become the great regret and I that people that. regret mm. all of their job moves. So I mm-hmm. so that I brought that article up because for my leadership team, that's something really important to hear. And the takeaway I said to them was, Now go out and call all of the high-performing folks who have left the organization over the past two and a half years and see if they are interested in boomeranging back. Wow. I love that. What a great, so a couple of things going on there. Number one, that's a cool idea just to, just to call, call them. I think companies are proactive enough in that and leaders, leaders often aren't. And so you really set yourself apart as an employer. If you do reach out to people periodically and kind of make that part of your cadence cadence to maintain that, because a lot of times uh, birds of the same feather flock together. So even if they are not available, they may say, hey, my buddy here is looking. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. Keeping you top of mind. But what I love about it, kind of like a Pixar movie, we're looking at different levels here. You as a leader, 
Number one, you're you're looking for helpful information. And I think because your intention is to share and sort and help the team, you're going to be looking at ink completely differently than just the curious viewer, right? You're like, okay, I'm looking for information that can be helpful to us. And then two, you're going the extra step to take notes, to forward it, and to discuss it. It's like you're the you're the uh, information curator in chief, in addition to CEO, uh, because you're and you're making it real. And then you go the extra step to say, okay, now I've helped you. I've given you helpful information. Now we actually go do something with it, which is where most processes like that fall apart. They're like, oh, that's an interesting idea, but they don't apply it and nothing changes. Well, I appreciate that compliment. Thank you. The, I, but you asked how I retain the information. I take the notes for myself because that's how I retain information. Yeah, but right. Take, Taking notes. But I, mean, I type them. So I'm able where, to then share them. Where do you capture them? Well, that's an interesting question. Because I have a, two different processes. So one is when I'm taking notes from an article that I'm reading online, I take the notes in an email and email it to myself. Okay. However, I utilize on a daily basis an iPad and I mm-hmm. use the GoodNotes app as my organization tool. And I take notes. So I build my daily list in there. I take notes for every meeting in there. And I use it. It's a wonderful tool to organize. And then I can search it. It uploads into my OneDrive account so that I can associate notes with a document, for example. I can search it by date or by topic so that whenever I need the recall of the information that I took from that particular meeting, I have it there and I have it saved in the cloud. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Good notes. There we go. Good notes. Great and a great seven dollar app. Seven dollar app. I think that's great. I I usually use Evernote, which is sort of a similar type. But I think that Good Notes, like you said, integrates better with Microsoft products, right? So that was my goal to find something that integrated well with Microsoft. Yeah, perfect. All right. Well, so many helpful ideas today in, in this. I mean, we've covered so many different things, kicking it off with identifying talent for your organization and maybe some surprising places and going through talking about turnover, becoming a more thoughtful leader and encouraging people to come up with pairing their, when they have a problem, they're bringing it up, but they're also coming with solutions and then digging into some really cool practical stuff on identifying new ideas as leaders and communicating that with your team and retaining that wrapping this up. What's your parting thought for listeners? I'd say always be prepared. Always know if you have a new idea and you bring it to your boss, your manager, your leader, be prepared. Have the data to back it up. Know the angles. Think about the risks. Think about the benefits and be ready to talk about and articulate all of those points on the fly. Great advice. Helpful advice. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate it. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. 
Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.